Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whenever you're listening to us, and how you listen to us. Thank you for making the sports and the world podcast a part of your day. I'm Ladarius, and Chris is not here with me this week, but he'll be back better than ever next week. Hope all of you are well and safe out there. And let's jump in with this. You know, the draft is right around the corner in a couple of weeks. And I did a mock draft about, I think, last month. And obviously, things have changed. In fact, I redid the first top 10 picks because really that's where the real flux of the change is going to take place, in my opinion. And you can check that out with social media on Twitter, at Ladarius underscore Brown, and on my Instagram, Ladarius double underscore Brown. And I'll probably post it to the respective Twitter and Instagram pages for the podcast today as well. So, in redoing it, this is why it had to be redone. So, the Miami Dolphins, who were sitting at number three, traded that pick to the Niners for the 12th pick and then at first and a third pick next year and a first round pick in 2023. I'll get to the Dolphins and why they're the big winners for obvious reasons in a minute. But also, the Dolphins then traded the number 12 pick and the 123rd pick, which is in the fourth round, along with a 2022 first round pick to the Philadelphia Eagles with the 6th overall pick and the 156th overall pick, which is in the 5th round. So, if you look at what the Dolphins essentially gave up, the Dolphins essentially gave up, you know, for the next two years, they essentially gave up a first-round pick for next year. And they gained back a first and a third round pick in 2022 and a first round pick in 2023. And then then they still have a pick in the later round. So when you look at the winners and losers, the job that GM Chris Greer and head coach Brian Flores are doing is magnificent because this trade signifies two things to me. It signifies Tua is their guy. And... Even amongst the swirl of, you know, getting, oh, we got to bring in another quarterback. We have to bring in, I I tried to to get people to understand. Tua is still a rookie. He's still a rookie. This is year two. And, And Dolphins fans, they've been looking for that franchise quarterback since Dan Marino. So we have to give Tua a shot. I'm not saying that Tua is the next Dan Marino. Let's be clear on that. What I'm simply conjecturing is, is that give him a shot and let's see how he goes. Because essentially now you trade down to number, you, you trade down to 12 and back up to six. And you're in a position to get a talented guy on the outside. And if you look at my mock draft, you'll see exactly who that is. And then they could also address offensive line in the later, you know, in the bottom half of the first round. So, so, so Miami is one winner. 
And another big winner, you know, are the Niners. Because if you ask people the whole situation with Jimmy G, listen, they are committed to getting another quarterback. Now, they say that they'll keep Jimmy G and then draft a quarterback. But if the reports are true from ESPN and various outlets that they would trade him for a first round pick, then that's just the dynamic. Because when you look at teams right now, and I put this out on Twitter, if the Chicago Bears wouldn't have signed Andy Dalton, I think they would have traded their first round pick to get Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, am I saying that Andy Dalton is trash? No, I addressed that last week. I don't think Andy Dalton is terrible. But understand, if you're a franchise like the Chicago Bears, Andy Dalton is not sufficient when there were rumors of getting Russell Wilson, even Derek Carr, and none of it came to fruition for whatever reason. So I will simply conjecture that Jimmy G that's making a move because whether you like it or not, if you really dig deep in Jimmy G's numbers, he's he's in the top half of quarterbacks. Top half, middle of the you know, he's not terrible. So it would have been worth the risk to get Jimmy G. Because you're getting a guy who's proven. You're getting a guy, you're getting a guy who, hey, you know, lots still there's still talent there. So but what GM John Lynch for the Niners is signaling is that he's willing to part with that for a first-round pick. But since the Bears are basically said that, hey, Dalton's our guy, you have to realistically look at one other team. And when you start looking around the landscape, you're like, well, what team still needs a quarterback? And, and to me, <laughs> the answer is it's pretty, pretty simple. Not super complex. So, if this is the question, if you are right now either a Raiders fan or a Dolphins fan, because the Dolphins have the assets, the Raiders, hmm, they may have the assets. But if you're the Miami Dolphins, like I just said earlier, I think them trading to number six signifies they're not going to draft a quarterback. But does it open up the window that they could potentially trade for one? Sure. Do I think that's the right move? No. Because you're rebuilding. And the rebuilding process elevated. And one of the things that I stress to to all the you know other organizations is that development is all about your belief you have to believe in the system and this is where i say down in miami they're believing in the system and they believe that Tua is the guy i believe that Tua is the guy because at the end of the day there's upside to Tua. There's upside. You don't draft a guy. You don't draft him in the top the top ten. Only turn around and draft another quarterback. No. By them trading down, 
They're telling you we're going to surround him with the pieces to win. And that's where Dolphins fans, I go, that's why they're, they're winners on that front too. Is that, listen, you're building around Tua. Listen, as great as, you know, Preston Williams is, as, you know, as great as Mike Gusecki is, you still need pieces around him to succeed. And I think this trade gives them that. So I would steer clear of that. So if you're the only feasible landing spot for me for Jimmy G would be if the Raiders, if the Raiders feel that Garoppolo is better than Carr. And that to me is super debatable. Super debatable. But, but, so I want to address something. Before we move on, now my co-host, he'll and trust me, he'll he'll explain it all next week. We got into a a I'll say a jovial discussion about were his beloved Jets and number two, and and I stood by that in in my initial mock draft, and I doubled down in this draft and in them draft a quarterback, and it was Zach Wilson. And he believed that Zach Wilson is not the guy they should go with Sewell. So, I, if he's listening, how you doing, buddy? And this is where I defend my pick because here's the thing: I believe when you put out when you put out certain pieces of literature, you put up you put up words, you have to back them up. Here's the thing: if I ask if I ask Jets fans or People are in the league. Would they, would they still believe in? Do they still believe in Sam Donald? I'm not going to stumble around the bush. Do they believe in Sam Donald? And to me, the answer is no. They don't. I simply don't believe they do. I mean, we're talking about they were trading this guy for a second round pick. And and if you're the Jets, you're in a kind of a prime position. You know, the only difference between you and the Jets is that you know the Dolphins. A little bit more talent. The talent gap is super wide right now. So, and it all under ties because, listen, the Jets coach, Robert Saleh, coached at San Francisco. So, I believe Zach Wilson fits exactly what they want to do. Because here's the thing. I understand, and and this is my buddy's first big point, is that, listen, he feels that he's not great. And and sometimes maybe it's because of the school he went to. And here's the thing, because of competition. To me, that, to me, I have greater concerns about Trey Lance because we essentially have one game of tape on Trey Lance. And that, to me, is a greater concern I'm not saying he's not worth the risk, but that's a huge risk because who did North Dakota State play? They didn't play a Power 5 school. They didn't play They didn't pay a Power 5 school. Zach Wilson, listen, BYU's only loss was by two yards to Coastal Carolina on the road on short notice. Zach Wilson for a lot of <laughs> Zach Wilson was in the was in the Heisman conversation. Like let's let's be super clear on that. Now I'm not saying 
that listen, he's good, you know. And I joke with him saying he's gonna be a Hall of Famer. But hey, here's here, here's my counterpoint. When you look at you can't focus on the colleges they went to, you gotta look at their talent. Like the competition, how do they play against their talent? See, when you're evaluating talent, you have to look at competition, obviously, but balance it out with how they play against the competition. Like, listen, like look at Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, when healthy, listen, he beat who he had to beat. But also look how he played in that semifinal. Look how he played championship time. Look how he played. I say you have to look at the tape both ways. It's 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 to me you got to take the school out of it in the context of okay well it's BYU. Well if I'll use a I'll use a, a back way logic here. Russell Wilson, one of the great quarterbacks, played at NC State in Wisconsin. Now, could someone name me, you know, for NC State, Philip Rivers was, was another great quarterback. But for Wisconsin, who's the last great quarterback to come out of Wisconsin? Wisconsin defenses, yeah, they're tough. But he slipped to the third round. Why? Because of his size. Zach Wilson benefited from Russell Wilson. Because now, and Drew Brees, you know, these guys sub six feet quarterbacks, you know, pushing that six feet range playing beyond their skills, playing beyond their size. So, while, it, listen, going back to the competition point, listen, BYU, listen, when you when, when you go back and you look at BYU, and you look at their schedule, and you, you may look at it and go, oh, well, it's not that great. But, this is the point, listen, they only lost by a point, they, they lost by two yards. So, and then they, they blew the doors off in, in their bowl game, to solidify it. So, I will always defend Zach Wilson and say, listen, if, if I were the Jets, I would go with, with who I know. Like, Justin Fields is not terrible, who I think... The Niners are going to take because this this whole Mac Jones thing it doesn't make sense because Mac Jones and Jimmy G same guy Jimmy G has more experience to me what can Mac Jones do that Jimmy G can't you don't trade up to the third overall slot to draft Mac Jones because to me Mac Jones is probably my for the fifth quarterback behind Lawrence and Wilson and Fields. And you could and, and you can debate Trey Lance and Mac Jones, but you don't trade up to get Mac Jones. Let's be clear. And another thing I want to address, as a Falcons fan, we're not drafting a quarterback, and we shouldn't. And here's why. If you look at the scope of the problem. It's on defense, and there's not a defensive player. Like, the, would you draft? Listen, in my next draft, I have Patrick Sertan, and I said, "Well, wait a minute." When this draft reshuffled, it made me realize. And I was watching various pro days. I say Kyle Pitts. 
I'm not saying that because I'm a Florida fan too. It makes me like some big, huge conspiracy I have. But no, I, I believe that you draft who you feel best helps your team. I don't think a receiver helps because you have Ridley and still got Julio. Get a playmaker. Get Julio Jones who can play a little, t- who can play as a wide receiver. What we have to get out of our mindset is that, oh, Matt, all I hear is that because he's an older quarterback. Well, Big Ben's been old for a while, too. But I don't recall them ever drafting a first-round quarterback since they drafted Big Ben. As you know, And will they this year? There's a very good shot if Mac Jones is still there that they would. But listen, and all the time, listen, all the time Brady was there, Brady got older. They didn't draft a quarterback. I said, Phillip Rivers got older. You know, they waited till he left to draft Justin Herbert. The point is, is that decline of talent. If if the whole Tom Brady case does not get you to understand, it's if your talent, when your talent declines, then you start looking. That's why I say there's a possibility that the Steelers will draft a quarterback. Because, listen, you can't sit there and say that Matt, Matt Ryan was a better quarterback than Big Ben. Take record out of it. Take record. Big Ben relied on that defense. If Atlanta had Pittsburgh's defense, there's a good shot we could have been the NFC Championship game. And I don't feel that's blowing up smoke. I really do believe that. Because there's no defense. That's why there's a new regime. So, got that out of the way. Don't use age, use talent. Because there's people talented in their 40s. Listen, that can still be successful. Look at Tom, Tom Brady's the blueprint. So, when Tom Brady starts declining, they're going to look for a quarterback. But Matt Ryan has arguably been one of the best quarterbacks the last decade. His, skill has a, his skills has a decline. And that was before Julio showed up, before people go out there and, and jump on that train. So, speaking of quarterbacks, I want to talk about the one I just mentioned, and that's Justin Fields. Now, it's not always customary to have two people in your company argue, especially when that company's ESPN. But it happened. Kurt Herbstreit, who's going to be on the coverage for the NFL draft, argued with Dan Orlovsky, who's on NFL Live. Great show. Love everybody there. And this all started about when Orlovsky shared with Pat McAfee when he went on Pat McAfee's show. And he said something that what is Orlovsky, you know, Pat McAfee asked Orlovsky what things he's been hearing in effort to explain the perception that Justin Fields' draft stock is sliding, which it's not. It's not, by the way. Clear that up. And this is via Jeremy Layton of the New York Post of what Orlovsky said he heard. He said, one, he said, I have heard he is a last guy in, first guy out type of quarterback. Like, not the maniacal work ethic. I've even heard it compared to Justin Herbert. And so Justin Herbert was a top 10 pick. So, that's one. Second, he also heard that there are issues with Justin Fields' work ethic. And then secondly, where's his desire to be a great quarterback? You know, 
as he uh, Orlowski continues to say, is that I think there's a desire to be a big time athlete, but from what is expressed to me, but where is this is his, is his desire to be a great quarterback? Now, the comments based on that, you might assume, oh, these guys were you know comparing quarterback, you know the black and white quarterback, and listen, that's nothing new. Because if you look at, do yourselves a favor and look at some notes from black quarterbacks who've been drafted the last 10 years, but to the white quarterbacks who've been, look at their scouting reports, wording matters. I might do an episode dedicated to that. You know, I think I talked about it a couple, you know, I think I talked about it a while back. But to really deep dive into that, and some people had a right to feel, I'm not saying Orlovsky's not racist, but for what he's basing it on what he hears, not from what he knows is two separate things. We call that hearsay. And so Herb Street called him out on it by Jimmy Trina of Sports Illustrated. And Herb Street basically said, even if you aren't saying it, to pass that along from, quote, from people in the know is reckless and absurd. It's embarrassing. Now, it could be it could be seen as Herb Street backing Ohio State guy. But this is where I agree with Herb Street. If we're talking about drafting the most important position possibly in all the sports and you just can't base it on hearsay because go back to when the Browns drafted Johnny Manziel there are reports that Jimmy Haslam you know asked other people who he should draft who know nothing about football and there was a chance that the Dallas Cowboys could have drafted Johnny Manziel why why didn't it happen you might ask because Stephen Jones <laughs> got to his father's ears like, no. The point is, is that you have to understand sources and understand that you can't base your future of the franchise on people who you know. Now, talking to people who know him is fine, but you have to talk to Justin Fields. And I know you can't do the physical... But you can have Zoom and Skype meetings and talk to, to Justin Fields. Because if you look at the way Justin Fields played, he played hurt. My guy went out there and played hurt. You can't question. I, I don't believe. You know, listen, the last guy in for. Uh, no. First guy I meant to. No. You have to be sure that's who he is, because guess what? If you pass on him based on hearsay, you're jeopardizing your job as a general manager and you're jeopardizing your franchise. And when you compare it to Justin Herbert, obviously race is going to be involved. But listen, I'm not saying Dan Orlovsky is racist. That's that's a sub point. The greater point is, is that. Black quarterbacks who've been drafted have faced similar problems just like this. We're laziness, and it's not true. Russell Wilson has a Super Bowl. Okay, he's been to two Super Bowls. Okay? Patrick Mahomes has been to two Super Bowls. And my guy is not even 30. He can be, there's a good chance he could be another four to five before he does turn 30. My point is. You have to get it right. Take race. Like if, if this came out about Justin Herbert, the question would you ask yourself is, is that 
would Justin Herbert been drafted as high? Because listen, I'm not making this about race. And it sounds like I am, but I'm not. But these are questions that have been legitimately asked solely toward black. And listen, there's proof of it. Darren Lofsky's not racist. It's just that you can't base that based on what other people tell you. It's essentially like playing telephone like you would play with your friends in school back in the day. I'm probably dating myself there, but the point is that's what it sounds like. Get it from the source. Darren Lofsky's a good dude. And I, I, but her street makes a point. You got to get it right. And listen, and San Francisco did not trade up for Mac Jones or Trey Lance. It's for Justin Fields. And if you're John Lynch, you're not listening to that. Because you saw what he did on the field. If he was a first, last guy in, first guy out type of player, he would have not went out there and played her. He said, you know what? I'm not risking my future. And listen, it didn't matter whether I agree whether the kids should have played this season, but he advocated for it. And he now he helped his draft stock. That's a t- he could have been easily rest on his laurels and say, you know what? I'm going to be a top five pick. Top 10. I don't need to play this season. But he did. And then you get this. We have to stop with stereotypes. Because you see it in society. And you see it trickle down with sports. And then we go, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, because sometimes people are out of the box. They're more than a stereotype. So at the end of the day, unless you got somebody on the record saying his work ethic, if Ryan Day, the Ohio State coach, comes out and says it, I'm listening. If his coaches at Ohio State says it, I'm listening. But if you're saying you heard it from some people, who are these people? Okay, this ain't no deep throat. Woodward and Bernstein type investigation. Who are the people? So, sorry about that. But sticking and reverting back to Atlanta, the All-Star game for baseball, as we wrap up, is projected, was, was going to be in Atlanta. But based on, this is what Commissioner Rob Manfred wrote in a letter about moving the All-Star game out of Atlanta. He said, quote, over the last week, we have engaged in thoughtful conversations with clubs, former and current players, the Players Association, and the Players Alliance, among others, to listen to their views. I have decided that the best way to demonstrate our values as a sport is by relocating this year's All-Star game and Major League draft. And it goes on to say that Major League Baseball fundamentally supports voting rights for all Americans and opposes restrictions to the ballot box. This is in response to the new voting laws that were passed in Georgia. And I'm going to say this in my big picture, Brown's big picture here. But before I go into it, check us out on social media. 
at Sports the World on both Twitter and Instagram. Check out the Sports of the World Facebook group and check us out there as well on our page. Posting content there daily. Check me on social media at check me out on Twitter at Ladares underscore Brown and on Instagram at Ladares double underscore Brown. So, with that business out of the way, let me get into this. Let me be clear. It, uh, how can I phrase this? It, it matters. Because it goes to show you a point that I made, that I just, you know, about when, about what made, we know about, you know, about the NBA. Is, is that, at the end of the day, there's just some things that are just bigger than sports. And it intertwines with sports. And you can't overlook it. You can't ignore what's going on. Because we understand that these players are human beings. They're more than athletes. They're more than coaches. They're more than training staff. They're human beings live in our world. And some of these issues affect them directly. It's why you saw what happened with it's so what you have with the NBA. They sat out a whole, there was no basketball. People are like, oh, well, the ratings, there's some things that are bigger than the sport and bigger than the ratings. At the end of the day, my philosophy is if you don't stand for something, you'll fall for everything. Stand for something. Everybody doesn't agree what you stand for, but stand for something. And what Major League Baseball is doing, making this stand, what are they telling you? We listen and we care. And and some fans may be turned off by it. And that's fine. But it's like with the NFL, with the whole kneeling situation. You didn't have to agree with the kneeling, but understand why they're doing it. It's what I always say. Is is that if you even if you don't agree, understand why people feel the way that they feel. Because you can't understand it fully because you're too busy arguing and not listening to why they feel the way that they feel. It's like, you look at our world. We still are dealing with hate crime in 2021. We are still dealing with things and topics that we thought were going to be non-existent, but they exist in our world. Sports exists in our world. The NFL is the most popular sport in our country. So, so is the NBA. Sports is important. These athletes and these players, these athletes, these coaches, they're human beings. And they care. And you can expect them not to use their platform not to, to, to speak out on it. People knocked LeBron James. He was told to just shut up and dribble. Because he was an athlete. They ignored the fact he was a human being. This is what I say. I defend athletes. Even if I may not necessarily agree with how they feel. Because you see in the MMA, Colby Covington, he wears a manga hat. There are people who supported Donald Trump as athletes. But you know what I say? Even if you don't agree, athletes have a platform and they can use it in whatever capacity they want to. And and time, time will show you if their platform is effective. 
There's a difference between LeBron James's platform and a lot of other athletes' platform. When LeBron LeBron James speaks, people listen. When certain athletes speak, they listen, and change happens. Should have change happened, sure. But when they have the platform to do it, they use it. So the message here is that moving the all-star game out of Atlanta is a microcosm of the bigger picture. It is that Major League Baseball could have easily held it and not cared. But they listen to the people. They understand and listen. And said that, listen, they fundamentally support voting rights for all Americans and oppose this restriction to the ballot box. And there's no two ways about it. What's going on in Georgia is not good. You don't have to be Democrat, Republican, Independent, Green, whatever. You have the right to vote. No matter who you vote for. And any restriction of that is not right. And Major League Baseball knows it. The NBA knows it. The NFL, hey, what did they try to do? They made the arenas available for people to vote. And, and I'm here in Florida. They used the Amway Arena as a voting site in 2020. It matters. It means that your voice can be heard. And when you use your platform, just like as I'm talking now in closing, just like this podcast to me is a platform, all of you on social media have a platform to use it, to help the helpless, to elevate voices that have been silent. So remember, like what Spider-Man said, With great power comes great responsibility. You have the power to do something. I'm not telling you to not do it or not do it. But when you see something that you feel is wrong, speak on it. And sure, people may fight you on it. Listen, uh, it's it's the old saying Nathan Hale said. I may not agree with what you say. This is paraphrasing what you say, but I'll defend your right to say it. Because you have a platform. Use it. Use it for good. Use it for change. You, you, you can use it to make selfies and put funny videos. You can use it there to talk about important things that impact your community and elevate voices that have been silent. And speaking of silent, I'm going to go silent and say that thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Sports in the World podcast. And remember social media at Sports the World on both Twitter and Instagram. And check us out on Facebook page, Sports in the World. Check out our Sports in the World. Check me out on social media at check me out at Ladarius Brown at Lader, underscore Brown excuse me on Twitter and at Ladarius at Ladarius double underscore.